We're going to be in, uh, going to jump around, but if you want to go to Ezekiel 33, that's where we will stay uh, the longest. And you're not going to hurt my feelings if you're looking for Ezekiel and you have to go to the table of contents. Uh, or if you have a drop-down menu and your uh, smart device, it makes it easier. It's in the Old Testament, uh, major prophet. Uh, but in, in the Bible, there is um, a term for a, uh, an individual uh, called a watchman. Uh, they had watchmen that it, when they thought perhaps uh, it was the season, maybe they were a community of, uh, of, of Israelites uh, uh, that had a tribal enemy that was not far away. If you remember the story of Gideon, remember he was threshing on the winepress floor uh, because he was fearful the Midianites were going to come and steal all the food. Uh, sometimes they would have a watchman that would look out for the enemy, especially around harvest time, uh, to make sure that someone doesn't journey into, uh, uh, into the harvest or into the crop at full harvest and destroy it, perhaps, or steal it. Uh, then if they were a city or a town, uh, they would, along the city walls, they would build these watchtowers where a watchman would stand out and look for the enemy. And so in the Old Testament, there was something called the watchman. And a watchman would stand on the wall. The watchman would stand in a tower. And sometimes it was a wall around a walled city uh, that they would station oftentimes four watchmen that would have different, se different times in the night and different shifts in the nights to look. Uh, other times, uh, and we'll see this example, uh, there were times that sometimes people... Uh, maybe perhaps a large wealthy landowner who owned a large uh, tract of land uh, would sometimes just in the middle of the crop, they would build a tower uh, for the watchman to stand on and look. And then sometimes the person could organize those who were uh, gleaning the crop to do certain things they could call out to them from the watchtower. But there is a pretty good idea of, um, and we're going to look at this today, of what a watchman does and what a watchman is. As a matter of fact, the passage we're going to look at here in a few seconds in Ezekiel chapter 33, uh, God calls uh, Ezekiel out to be a watchman a watchman for the children of Israel to watch over their souls, to warn them about impending danger, to call them back to faithfulness with God, to, to point the way uh, and sound the horn if they were running off into sin, that they should turn and repent. Uh, to really, uh, So God referred to, um, uh, to Ezekiel as the prophet, as a watchman. And as I was studying, just reading over the last couple of weeks, uh, this imagery and mindset came to me, and I wanted to come back and just share it with you, is that in some ways, guys, we need to always be modern-day watchmen. We need to be uh, stationed at our post, uh, watching out for our families, watching out for our careers, watching out for our moral faithfulness, um, watching out for our brothers and sisters in Christ, sometimes watching out for our kids, uh, sometimes sounding the alarm, uh, saying, hey, turn back, uh, heed my warning, uh, don't go this direction, instead go that direction. I think it's also interesting that when you look at, um, at a watchman, I, I think in some measure the church becomes kind of a watchman or the watchman for uh, a community, that we should always be pointing the right way. 
and speaking against the wrong way. We should always be pointing uh, towards God. Uh, and sometimes that means warning people, don't continue to go down this path. Instead, repent and turn and go down that path. And then it's even interesting, we're going to read it here in a few minutes, that uh, once the watchman has done his job, once the watchman has done his job, if the people continue to go in their direction and choose sin over righteousness, the watchman, his hands are clean. Does that make sense? Because he's done his job, he's warned them. However, if the watchman in the Old Testament doesn't warn the people of impending doom, or the enemy coming their way, and the people die because he doesn't do his job, the blood of the people who died at the hands of the enemy was on the watchman. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? In other words, they held the watchman accountable. If the watchman got up in the, got up in the tower and he fell asleep and the enemy overran the city, then guess what? They killed the watchman. However, if the watchman... Uh, saw that the enemy was approaching, saw the enemy uh, uh, soldiers approaching, sounded the horn, sounded the alarm. The people heard the alarm, or heard the horn, didn't choose to come inside the city, but were slaughtered outside the city. He was clean. Does that make sense? Because they heard the warning, and he, and they didn't, they choose not to obey it. So as I thought about the watchman, here's what the watchman, the Hebrew word watchman uh, in the Old Testament means one who looks out or one who spies out, sometimes the watchmen were sent ahead uh, of a traveling caravan, or one who simply watches. One who looks out, one who spies out, or one who watches. The, uh, the essence of the watchman was uh, a person that would take their shift uh, I remember a number of years ago, uh, after I'd surrendered the ministry, uh, I was in a church uh, that uh, went through a season of prayer, and then we actually did it at Old Fairview uh, a number of years ago. We went through a season of prayer where we prayed seven days a week, 24 hours a day. People actually signed up for it, and we always had somebody uh, that was for one hour, I would pray for my hour, I'd get up, I'd read a scripture, uh, I would spend some time praying for certain things, then at, a, then at the end of that hour, I would know that I was praying and I was saying amen as someone else was starting to read scripture. And so seven days a week, 24 hours a day for a month, we went through that where someone was always praying. Uh, and that was a good thing. And we kind of called, it was, it, was a, it was a prayer ministry. I don't even know if it's out there. It's called Watchmen. It's called the Watchman Prayer Ministry, and that's what they referred to it. I remember calling back, and so as I was reading this over, um, uh, over my vacation, and uh, I was recalled and reminded of that. Uh, boy, we always had someone praying in those seasons in the church, and obviously God blesses. But there is also a sense within our own lives that we have people to watch out for. How many of you have someone you probably need to watch out for? How many of you have someone that you need to warn from time to time? How many of us live in a community that need to be shown the way of the gospel, the way of truth? How many of us live in a country where people need to be warned about impending doom? How many? So in essence, we are all watchmen, guys. 
We're watchmen for our family. We're watchmen for our grandkids. We're watchmen for our church. We're watchmen for our community. Uh, we're watchmen for the generation in front of us. We're watchmen for, watchmen for the generation behind us. We're watchmen for our own generation. And the point is, as long as we do our job, if we answer the call of the gospel, then, and we are faithful to share the truth, then there's no blood on our hands. However, if we cease to be the watchman that God wants us to be, and if we stop proclaiming the gospel even as a church, if we stop doing what we are called to do, if we become inwardly focused instead of outwardly focused, in other words, the watchman when he was on the wall, the last thing that he was to care about was his own wants, his own needs, and his own personal concerns. Why? He was watching out for the community. Yeah. In the military, getting caught sleeping or goofing off on guard duty is a severe penalty. Is that spoken one with personal testimony? No, sir. Okay, all right. Yeah. In the military. Yeah. I got it. In the military, if you got caught sleeping on the watch, uh, uh, when you were on your watch, it was a severe penalty. Why? Because all the men's lives were in your hands. Does that make sense? And, and the truth is, guys, um, and this is where I just want to be honest, we've all been asleep from time to time. How many of you? Am I the only guy that's ever been asleep, that I haven't watched out for my family like I should have? I haven't watched out for my church like I should have. haven't watched out for myself like I should have, and I'm talking about in, in a sense, or haven't watched out for the community. We've all been there. So what I thought I would do is I, I would just line out some things uh, of what a biblical watchman does. And just kind of, if you want to write some of these things down, and then I want to offer an opportunity for us to, uh, maybe I'm going to say, here's what a biblical watchman did in the Bible. Here's what a modern day watchman might do. I'm going to try to draw those parallels, okay? Because here's the truth. No one in here is an agrarian, right? Does anybody in here, you make your living farming? No, uh, no one, I didn't think so. Uh, no one in here lives in a neighborhood that is truly a battleground where you, from time to time, look up and you see soldiers coming down at your house, going to destroy you. Don't, you don't see that, right? So I'm going to take what a biblical watchman would do and then try to come up with a modern-day example. And as I come up with these, uh, I want you to take and apply them to your own life. And I just thought I was just caught in this as I was reading through it, and I found myself reading way more of Ezekiel because of this than I thought I was going to. How many of you have ever read Ezekiel beginning to end? Beginning to end, one setting. All right, yeah, it's a lot, all right, and it happens when you're in Mexico and you can't sleep, all right, that's, that's what happens. And, uh, you know, they always say the air conditioning works. How many of you know what I'm talking about? But the air conditioning never works. But that's how you end up reading all of Ezekiel, uh, and you get caught up in the watchman. That's kind of what studies. All right, so number one, what did a biblical watchman do? And, and there are some general things that they did, but I'm going to go, go more specific. You know, they needed good eyes. You, you didn't want the blind dude to be the watchman on the wall. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All right, you need that guy to be the sage that everybody goes and asks questions. You didn't put the blind guy up there. Uh, you know, they, um, they warned people uh, when in 
impending danger. So, I, I, and, and if you read Ezekiel, uh, apparently it helped if the watchman could blow a trumpet so I could never be up there. Uh, I've got good eyes, but I'd need someone else to play the musical instrument to warn the people that sound the, sound the trumpet. Um, and by the way, you don't have to write these down yet. I'm, I'm not even to the list. Um, one of the things that, uh, yeah, it's like every one of my sermons. Uh, I'm, ha- I'm 30 minutes in, and we haven't gotten to my sermon yet. Just wait on it, boys. Just wait on it. One of the things also, as, you were re- as I was reading through, is uh, watchmen, when they were on the wall, they also needed to be craftsmen. That if the wall was beginning to crack or the, or the mud was beginning to crack while they were up there, go ahead and get some work done. That's kind of what they did. They would, they would uh, fill in the cracks and they would uh, fill in the thatch. Something else uh, that they were to do is they were, they were to constantly walk and not only keep watch, but they were to pray for the people. They were to pray for the people. And then another thing that they did is they, they were also, uh, and this is where we see from God's telling the prophet Ezekiel that you are a watchman for my people, uh, confess the people's sins. So those are some of the things that I won't really highlight much. But So what did a watchman do? And, and I divided some of the things that I saw and I read as I jumped all over Scripture. Um, I, I divided some of the jobs of the watchman. Uh, into the physical sense, and then some into a spiritual sense, all right? So let me give you a couple of things that a watchman, if we're going to be watchmen uh, on the wall for our family, for our community, let me give you a couple of thoughts on the physical sense of what it means to be a watchman first. Number one, uh, they announce the start of every new day. The watchman would announce the start of every day. Uh, in other words, they were kind of uh, the bugler, if you want to put it that way, or they were the town rooster, okay? Uh, and as I thought about I, I thought they had to stay alert, right? They had to announce for the people when the sun came up. And you say, where do you find that? If you look in Psalm 130, verse 6, uh, it says this, I wait for the Lord uh, more than the watchman waiting for the morning. And what does that mean? Man, when you get in the, the deep part, the dark part of the night, I assume it's easy uh, to fall asleep and to doze off. But you've got to stay awake. And so, guys, I want to encourage us as, we, as you're into your walk and into your journey, into your service and your ministry at the church, stay alert. Stay wide awake. I ran across this quote. C.S. Lewis said, uh, There is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and also counterclaimed in your life by Satan. I thought that was kind of interesting. He's talking about staying alert. He says every moment, every split second in our lives is claimed by God. God calling us to redeem that moment. But it's also counterclaimed by Satan. What does that mean? that Satan would love to have your next moment. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Satan would love to, destroy, for, to help you destroy your time between now and lunch. Satan would love to counterclaim your thoughts, your conversations today, 
So you destroy your relationships or your marriage or your business. Does that make sense? That we have to be wide awake. As C.S. Lewis said, every moment of every day, every second, every hour, God has claimed it and wants you to claim it for Him. But at the same time, Satan also would love to place a counterclaim on it. Does that make sense? That he would love to draw you away. So we have to stay alert. Just like, in a, just like a, a watchman announced a new day, uh, we have to be wide awake. Uh, here's what Isaiah says in that same vein. Isaiah 21 verse 11 says, A prophecy uh, against, uh, against Dumas. Someone calls to me uh, from the Sierra, Watchman, how much is left of the night? How much is left of the night? And I thought about that being alert. There are times that... Um, that we feel under attack and other people around us feel under attack and they're kind of wanting to know how much longer is this going to last? How many of you know what I'm talking about? And, and that's, that's almost given the idea that, um, that it, of a city that is being besieged. They know the enemy's out there and they're fearful that the enemy, when, when is the enemy most dangerous? At night, right? And so what's happening is the people, you can almost get the imagery of the people inside the walled city asking the watchman, how much longer for the night? Why is that? Because from his perch, what can the watchman see? You can see in the horizon and you ever, how many of you hunt a lot? And you go out there and you get in there before the sun comes up, right? And you begin to stare off uh, into the east. Why do you stare off into the east? You're looking for that sun to begin to show up, Right? And so it's like the people in the city who are nervous, who are fearful. Are we being attacked tonight? Watchmen, how much longer is the night? And so the idea is we have to stay alert. We have to stay alert for ourselves, understanding that God has claimed every moment, every split second in our lives and in our families and for our families. But Satan has put a counterclaim down. In every moment of our lives, in every conversation, we have to make sure that we claim that season and claim that moment for God. So then I thought, well, uh, what would be a modern-day application uh, for a man who is alert? Well, for us, what does it say in the New Testament? Jump from the Old Testament to the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Guys, we need to be sober and be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So if you think about the Old Testament analogy, the watchman being alert on the wall, always being alert on the wall. Why? Because he realizes that, that, that they have claimed that space, that tower, that city, that land, but the enemy also wants to play, place a counterclaim. You jump to the New Testament, and Peter, the Apostle Peter, he warns, listen guys, listen men, Always be alert. Why? Because Satan is prowling around like a lion looking for someone to devour. I ran across this quote. Someone said, Satan doesn't persecute those who aren't making God a godly difference in the world. Satan doesn't persecute those who aren't making a difference, a godly difference in the world. What's the point there? He's saying, guys, listen, if, if you and I haven't been persecuted for our faith or for making the right decision, we're probably not strong enough in our faith. 
it's kind of interesting. Um, I wasn't sure where he was going with this, but Justin yesterday in my office walked in and he said, you know, one of the things we don't talk about enough, Pastor, is suffering. And I thought he was volunteering me. And I was looking, then we just had that conversation yesterday. And as I'm putting it, and, and he says, you know, the reality of it is, if you look at believers throughout history, suffering was a part of who they are. Let me ask you a question. How many times, uh, or when was the last time you really suffered for making the right decision? It cost you financially, or it cost you in a relationship because you stood up for what is right. And the truth is we have to be alert and we have to be honest. We have to be willing to sound the alarm that morning is coming. We have to watch out for Satan. We have to watch out for that. Jump over. Uh, that's what Peter said about being alert, being a modern-day uh, alert watchman. Here's what Paul said. You know these words from Ephesians chapter 6. I've taught them in here. In verse 18, he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all of prayers and requests. He said this, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Notice, notice the watchman aspect of it. I need to be alert, but not just for me, but I also need to be alert and in prayer for all of God's people. You know, we live in a society that um, is very much a me-first me society. It is a me-first country. It is a me-first world. As long as I am okay, that is all that matters. Does that make sense? I want you to know in a biblical sense, guys, uh, a watchman, when they stood on the wall, the last person they thought about were themselves. The last person they thought about were themselves. Now, they could think about their family. If they do their job, it's going to protect their family, right? But it was also the community. And so if you take that same idea, the Apostle Paul says, always be alert, always pray on all occasions for all of God's people. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time you spent a lot of time praying for the church? Praying for your life group leader. Praying for those in your life group. Does that make sense? Praying for your church community. When we say, hey, uh, mission trips on Baltimore this week. Have you, have you said, you know, I'm going to pray for our, our members that are in Bar Baltimore this week. First of all, for their safety, I'll, I'll tell you, we don't think anything's going to happen. But anytime you go to an inner city place and you're doing mission work and a hard, difficult, unreached people, it's hard. Does that make sense? So how, when is the last time are you consistent about praying not only for your own family, but for your church, for your pastor, for your life group leaders, your teacher, director, all of those things? Why? Because I will guarantee you Satan's after them. And so the first idea, guys, if we are going to be modern-day watchmen, we have to be alert. We have to be alert. Second thing I notice as I just begin to read and study, um, watchmen watched over uh, or to safeguard the fields and the vineyards during times of harvest. Watched over the, the fields and the vineyards, especially in the time of harvest. I would say if the first one, they saw, they waited for the morning, uh, they had to stay alert all night. It, this one would be watch guard, safeguard over the fields and the vineyards during the harvest. I, I put a word wisdom out there. Do we have wisdom? You say, where do you get the wisdom? Here's what it says in uh, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1. He says, my loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug up 
He cleared the stones. He planted uh, with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then if you jump over in the New Testament, says, listen to another parable. This is Jesus talking. He says, there was a landowner who planted a vineyard. Then he put a wall around it and he dug a wine press and built a large watchtower right in the middle of it. All right. So what do you mean? Why did you say wisdom, pastor? Well, I, I think there's nothing wrong. If you look at both of those passages, they talk about a man who was wise enough to what? Plant a large vineyard who owned enough property to plant a large vineyard. What does it take to make sure that all of your efforts are protected? It takes wisdom, right? A financial advisor right over there. There are lots of people who amass great, great wealth and waste it. You ever seen that happen? Or you come up to someone, and let's, let's just take financial advisors, and for those of you who know that finance was my, my history, uh, there are people that we have met over the years who have made a boatload of money throughout their years. When it comes to their retirement, they've got nothing. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Why? Because they spent it. What did they lack? They lacked wisdom to start, in, start investing in their 20s or in their 30s or in their 40s. We see that's the idea. Here's the point, guys. If we're going to be modern-day watchmen, we've got to live with wisdom. And, and wisdom in the Old Testament is if God had blessed you enough to give you a large vineyard or a large crop or a large place, that you need to be wise enough to guard it wisely. All right, to guard it wisely. Here's the New Testament, as you jump over to the New Testament. The modern day application for the wise man is this. What about Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 17? He says, uh, this is what Paul says, Look carefully then at how you walk, not as an unwise individual, but as a wise individual, making the best use of every moment or of all your time. Why? Because the days are evil. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is for your life. So if you think the Old Testament, the person who had amassed a lot of wealth or had some sort of wealth, they built a watchtower to watch over to make sure it's protected. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says, listen, let's walk very carefully. Let's walk very wisely. Why? Because the days are evil. And then he is honest. He says, making wise decisions as opposed to unwise decisions. Today, guys, when we leave here, everyone in this room has the ability to make some real, real wise decisions. And everybody in this room has the ability to make some real, real unwise decisions. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We could blow it. My prayer is that none of you are close to the edge of making a really, really dumb decision that will cost you your character or your life or your family or your relationship with your kids or your job. But if you are, I'm going to encourage you to pull back and to act with wisdom. I love what Jesus said in all of his honesty uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 7 at the end of the great Sermon on the Mount. How many of you remember how Jesus closes the Sermon on the Mount? If you want to just write this passage, I'll read it to you. Pick it up in verse 24. Here's at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. This is the, uh, 
the story that Jesus tells. Remember how Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he didn't close with an invitation, he closed with a story. And an illustration, what was his illustration about the wise man who built upon the rock and the foolish man who built upon the sand, right? That we all have that ability to build our house on the rock or on the sand. Here's what Jesus said. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It says, the rains came, the streams arose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation on the rock. He says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. What is he saying? When you and I leave here, we've got a choice we can make. I can make foolish decisions and build my life or my career or my relationships on the sand or I can make wise decisions. And I love what Jesus did here. He gave the great sermon on the mount, and then he basically said, you choose, right? It's in your court. What you do with your life, with your words, with your time, with your energy, with your relationships today, what I do with my time, my energy, my relationships, my words today is a choice that I get to make. And that's both a good thing and a bad thing, right? So not only do I need to be alert, I better act with wisdom. The, the watchmen needed to be wise in how they handled their assets. Let me give you the next thought. Here's number three as I was looking at the wise men. Uh, watchmen, they determined what a physical threat was and what a physical threat was not. That, I, I put the word discernment. They had to have discernment. A, a watchman, when they saw someone coming, had to determine or discern, is that friend or foe? Does that make sense? The last one was wisdom. They had to be smart enough uh, to be able to watch tower, watch over the crops, what they already had. Uh, the first one had to stay alert all night. This one is, we have to make determinations. Guys, you and I will always have to make determinations in our lives about things that can harm us and things that can't. There are some people, and this is not picking on anybody, this is just a reality. There are some people who alcohol is not a big deal. There are other people who are alcoholics that one drink could lead to a three-week slumber. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Uh, there are some people that if we were to put uh, uh, certain drugs out on the table, that most of us in this room would have no interest in walking over and sticking a needle in our arm. But there are other people who you put a needle on, on the table and they can hardly stop themselves. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There are some people that... Um, that uh, certain things don't hurt them. There are other people, those same things destroy them. What's the point? Is that, guys, you and I have to be a watchman for our family to discern what is evil and what is good. You say, where do you get this? If you, uh, 
If you look at 2 Kings, here's a simple example, uh, verse 9 and uh, verse 17. It says, When the lookout standing on the tower, when the watchman standing on the tower of Jezreel saw Jehu's troops approaching, he called out, I see the troops coming. Uh, and the king then looked at him and says, Get on your horse, go out and meet them and ask, Do you come in peace? You know, he's like, well, could we send someone else? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the watchman had to what? He had to look out and had to determine, is this going to be a friendly encounter or is this going to be a all-out war? And you and I have to do the same thing each and every day. Guys, there are certain things that we have to look at in our lives. And if we allow them in our lives, is this going to be friend or foe? Does that make sense? Sometimes it's a relationship. Sometimes it's a relationship with someone of the opposite sex. Sometimes it's a relationship with someone who doesn't think or believe exactly the way I do. And I have to make the determination, what? Is this friend or is this foe? Is this okay? Can I handle it? Or is this going to lead me down a path? And let's step back, guys. Every one of us I know that if I'm honest in my life, I can think back on seasons and times where I allowed things into my life that I knew was going to lead down the wrong path. How many of you know? Sadly, I'm smart enough, and I've been smart enough all my life. I know when I let trouble in my life. I wish I was dumber, guys. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I wish I could say, I just didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Chances are I always saw them coming. Chances are I always saw them coming. You know, a lot of times we can choose our sin. What we don't get to choose are the consequences, right? We can choose what we allow into our lives. Oftentimes, though, what we cannot choose are the consequences we will bear because we lack discernment. And guys, we need to have and walk with discernment. Today, you and I, we need to walk with discernment. How am I going to use my time? How am I going to use my energy? What am I going to do? Does this come in peace or difficulty? You try to raise kids. What do we constantly try to do? What, what is okay to allow into my kid's life at a place they're mature enough? And what are things that I keep out of their lives even though everybody else's kids are doing it, right? That's discernment, right? What can I allow in? What can... Uh, I guarantee you, I think as I've gone from my oldest kid to my youngest kid, uh, I've become a much better father. If I could just do over and go back to kid one and start over again, I'd have a lot more smarts, right? That's why I'll be a better grandparent than I'll be a parent. Most of y'all in the room are. And you like it better, right? Because you get to send them back at, at the end of the day. And so we've got to have discernment, guys. If we are going, do you come in peace? We constantly have to look at things that are coming our way and heading our way, relationships and people and stuff like that. We constantly have to say, is this coming in peace? Is this going to lead me toward God or away from God? Is this going to draw me closer to my wife or push me away from my wife? Is this going to bring me closer to my kids or away from my kids? Is this going to bring me closer to faith in the church or not? Is this going to be a good example to my neighbors or not so good example? Is this going to make me better salt and better light? Or is this going to dim my light and cause my salt, the salt of my faith, to lose its saltiness? What is a watchman supposed to do? He's got to have discernment. 
Guys, how's your, how's your discernment been for your family lately? How's your discernment been for your relationships lately? We want to be there. So, now let me jump to uh, the New Testament. Let me give you a modern day application of what it takes to be a discerning watchman. Write this passage down. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. This is what will help you. It says, For the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit, of the joints and the marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So if I am going to ask of everything in my life, do you come in peace? Are you good for me? Is this okay for me? And I need discernment. The best thing I can, best way I can gain discernment is to be constantly in God's Word. Why do I want to be constantly in God's Word? Because it is what's going to help divide us. It's going to tell us, you don't need to go down that path. That's an okay path to go down to. You know, what did Paul deal with throughout uh, the New Testament with Corinthians? It really doesn't matter whether you eat or don't eat. As long as you glorify God, does that make sense? Uh, someone else's eating may not be a problem for them, but to you to eat that, it's a problem for you. Someone else's drinking may not be a problem for them, but for you to drink, it may be a problem for them. Someone else having that kind of a relationship with somebody else may not be a problem. You having a relationship with somebody else, that might become a problem. Does that make sense? That's where you and I need discernment for our own lives. And we need to learn, man, what is good for me the best way is to constantly be in God's Word and say, God, tell me, is this okay for me? Or is this going to ultimately hurt me? God, is this going to give you another Old Testament example of discerning uh, uh, the idea? If you look at 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, um, it says, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this people of yours? Anybody know who prayed that prayer in 1 Kings chapter 3? That was Solomon. Solomon wanting to pray, God, give me wisdom to discern right from wrong. To discern right from wrong. Here's another one talking about discern. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, O Lord, for I believe in your commandments. Man, one of the things, if you don't feel like you've had good judgment in the past, and uh, there have been times I can look back and say, most, although most of the times when it had to do with sin, I knew exactly what I was doing. I knew exactly what I was letting into my family. There are times I've just made bad decisions, right? And guys, every one of us has been here and go, golly, I wish I could do that. What does he say? The psalmist says, listen, pray to God. God, teach me good judgment and knowledge. Give me discernment, God. Let me know what matters and what doesn't matter. Boy, you think of raising your kids or raising your grandkids. Uh, I don't know about you, but with four kids, I can get into a fight every day with my kids. How many of you know what I'm talking about? If I majored on every little thing that annoyed me, we could fight all the time. What is the point? To make sure I have dialogue and good judgment. What is worth talking about? Don't make a mountain out of a molehill, but if it's a mountain, you better make it a molehill. How many of you understand? Both, both of those work, right? 
I don't want to spend my time with my kids just destroying our ongoing love and relationship by making mountains out of molehills. But let me tell you what, when there's a mountain, I'm going to make it a molehill and we're not leaving this table until I fix this problem. Does that make sense? There are times that you and I, guys, we need that kind of wisdom. We need discernment. And so, guys, I want to encourage you to walk with discernment. I love what Charles Spurgeon said. He said, discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. I was like, oh, man, when I read that quote, I was like, between right and almost right. Then I was honest, and I said, how many times have I lived in the world of almost right? instead of right, and probably more than I want to count. Now, a lot of times our discernment is not between right and clear right and clear wrong, or dark and, and, and light. A lot of times it's between discernment between right and almost right. And that's where most of us live. And that's where we need God's Word. So I'm going to close there. I've actually got three more, and the next three are longer than the first three. So that should encourage you as you come back next week. But guys, so here's my first thought, the challenge for us to be watchmen this week, all right? Be alert. Be wise. And be discerning. Why? Your family depends on it. Your church depends on it. Your character and your integrity depend on it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these guys here today. Thank you for the opportunity just to share your word. I pray that we would go out of here being watchmen, uh, that we would be alert men, uh, seeing what the world is bringing our way, knowing there's good and evil. We would also be wise men to protect those things that are most important to us, our vineyards, our families, our integrity, our character, our careers, and our jobs. And then finally, God, give us discernment because every one of us, has to make decisions, countless decisions, some small, some large, each and every day. God, let us be men who make good decisions. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.